The guest on our show today is Jeffrey Crickshin, whose practice includes drawing, painting, sculpture, sound, and altering articles of clothing. He's exhibited in the United States, Sweden, and Norway, and has published with Neves and Slow Editions. Jeffrey, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, hi. So what I like to do is start our show with a description of what your work looks like. Um, could you take us through the evolution of your artist practice and the mediums that you've worked with over the years? Um, sure. That might be a little winding, but uh, yeah. So I, I started off drawing as a kid. Um, I feel like that's how everyone starts off but um so drawing and then i got into photography um i tried to go to art school for that but then dropped out and got into animation um actually before animation i started painting and that led to um animation because i wanted to uh, move. I wanted my pictures to move, um, but that became kind of difficult. Um, well, not difficult, just monotonous and a very long process, which I still like to do, but don't do as much anymore. Um, and then got back into painting more so and drawing always drawing um but my my style i feel is pretty and more more so these days maybe um abstract or um like color field because i feel like i'm these days i'm very influenced by uh, like abstract expressionism or color field um, painters such as Milton Avery or even like I looked at a book of Mark Rothko the other day and I was like I mean blown away by his late work but um, really blown away by his early work actually okay. which was more more fig more figurative so yeah well i encountered your work for the first time like well over a decade ago when i was living in portland um oregon mm -hmm. and working at national as an intern so when I encountered your work, it was, um, I would say like a mix of painting and illustration. And so I primarily think of you as a prolific illustrator, um, working right. on paper and m most of all creating these like wondrous trippy characters. There's a lot of characters in your work, um, which to me is the most special part of kind of like the worlds that you create. Um, so when did you, you said you began drawing as a child, um, but at yeah. some point you kind of made the transition into like taking yourself seriously as an artist. Um, uh, do you remember what led to that shift? Um, I, guess, I guess comics, comics and cartoons, like Far Side. Um, I don't, 
I don't do you, Gary Gary Larson is the creator of Far Side, which is like kind of just like one panel um, cartoons of like cows interacting with like aliens and stuff. So like that ad absurdist humor was mm-hmm. like really influenced like my my thinking and and like the drawings not really so much but I I think like the humor to it totally more so yeah there's yeah. a lot of humor in your work um and a yeah. lot of like I want to say uh exaggerations of human emotion um like bulging eyes and um, yeah. you can really kind of get a sense of what the characters are feeling uh, in a way that's really nice. I wanted to ask you um, if your subject matter is totally fictional and based in fantasy or do your illustrations, are they derivative of real experiences that you've had? I think it's it's a, mi- a mixture. Um, I think before, before now, I... Uh, I, it was all, it was all fiction and like with art school, you do like life drawing. Um, so I wanted to get away from that kind of thing and just like draw was like, what was I thinking in my head or like that, but, and then it tore kind of, uh, leaned into mixing the two just like what's real what's fake or what's absurd just Mm -hmm. yeah cool we watched what movie did we watch i think you've seen it before veronica but it was the illustrator john callahan Mm -hmm. um what was it called he won't get far on foot yeah i think have you seen that one jeffrey i i have not but that is he he's um from portland right right yeah mm-hmm. he is yeah yeah, yeah. it kind of reminds it's... me of stuff a little bit a mix of like far side and like robert crumb or something mm-hmm. yeah i i have a vague memory of of his cartoons i but i feel like he was more of a like a, a character that you'd see around portland because mm-hmm. he was he was like a in a wheelchair right yeah well i never saw yeah. him personally but i uh, heard that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no i think you're right no. i think well he was wheelchair bound but i think that that's what they say is that you'd kind of see him about out and about in portland a lot i yeah, yeah. which i did and oh, yeah. he's he he passed away now right yeah he, yeah. Oh, yeah well um, another interesting thing it's interesting you brought him up because he is a character in his own comic book i feel like he's the main character of uh, his yeah. creations too which is interesting oh yeah yeah and i wonder huh. and that made me think to ask you if you come through in your illustrations yourself as well no no <laughs> <laughs> i think well maybe maybe subconsciously because i have had people like be like Oh, that kind of looks like you in one of my drawings or something but no it's not intentional it's no not intentional at all yeah i think i think maybe it's because i maybe look kind of weird or something i don't know so i <laughs> so uh, i like draw kind of like i don't know weird are you in portland or... now jeffrey 
I, I am. I, I recently moved back here from uh, Tucson, Arizona. Okay. Um, I, yeah. I was trying to get to the bottom of this before. So now it's, so you were living in Tucson. You're living in Portland now. But you were yeah. living in Portland 10 years ago, too? Yeah. I, uh, well, I lived... Um, I went to... After high school, I moved to San Francisco to attend art school where I dropped out and then I lived there for a few years and um, moved to Portland from there in, in 2001. Okay. And then I've been here, I was there for like nine years and then moved to Sweden, okay. Stockholm, Sweden for a while and then moved back to the u.s to los angeles for a couple of years and then i was in tucson after that okay and you're from philadelphia i'm actually not really from anywhere yeah. because <laughs> well i was born in philadelphia pennsylvania um and i moved around a lot because my dad was in the coast guard mm. so mm-hmm. yeah i i move i moved around like every three or four years and it's kind of like in my brain to do that but i kind of want to like settle down now Mm -hmm. so i wanted to ask you um you've been a part of all of these different art communities and i'm very curious like what was the art scene in stockholm like because i i've been to stockholm very briefly and i found it very like sensible and family oriented and you know bars close at 10 p.m. and I wonder what kind of like youth culture exists in Stockholm um well with like the fine art culture there I wasn't really a part of it was mainly the music scene Hmm. which was pretty pretty um what do I want to say energized i don't know how it is now i I feel like the the friends that i have content are in i'm in contact with now um say that like the music scene has kind of stopped or is not as invigorated as it once was but yeah the youth culture there was really um energized with music Mm. um there's like really experimental bands like punk and jazz and so many genres of music that was happening at the time um, that I formed my own band there with another American and a, and a Swedish girl. Um, we had uh, a kind of noise punk band um but it was kind of intertwined with the visual art scene as well because i had friends that were in bands but also creating uh uh, visual art as well and there was a lot of diy uh, happenings there um with the music and visual art scene so that's kind of cool it's like 80s New York where like the music and the 
art scene were like all one scene in a way. Yeah. It's like all yeah. this like cross pollination going on. Yeah. It's nice. I, 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 I guess it's, I um, kind of find my way into that. I'm not a musician per se, but I love sound and visual art. So I always try to uh, find that wherever I live. So I think there are like little subsects of places that do keep that like 80s downtown New York scene thriving. So it's nice that it still exists. Mm-hmm. That that mentality of mixing the two. Yeah, it's like just a. I don't even know what I'm trying to describe by saying raw creative energy, but it seems like at its purest when people are just out to make something and express something that they're feeling. The medium isn't that important, and that's why they can all kind of overlap and mix and. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's the I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm trying to, I've been like, ever since you talked about music in Sweden, I'm like trying to think about what bands I know of. Is there like a hometown hero of, of any sort of like the band? The um, big uh, Stockholm band? Yeah, but also what was the name of your band? I yeah, don't think you ever too. mentioned that. Oh, yeah. Um, we are called F- UFO FBI. Oh, I remember um, hearing about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of funny when, when when it's like spelled out on like a flyer or something it looks like it says a word and people are like what's this what's this oof oof be mean and it was like <laughs> kind of funny so um but the like hometown hero of sweden i i'm not sure there's there's this jazz saxophonist that i think a lot of people um, maybe think of such, um, I, and I, I believe his name is Mats Gustafsson, I mm. want to say, but he's like a legendary saxophonist. Cool. Um, but there's like, there's so many bands. I think like, what's that? Oh my like, God, ABBA. Yeah. Oh yeah, ABBA. I'm just doing another ABBA is from Sweden. <laughs> Um, that's the only one I recognize I'm looking at a yeah. but I'm not the best there's and Peter um, Bjorn and John ni- <laughs> sorry go ahead <laughs> Bjorn and John I I know that name but I don't know the music I feel like they were um, like popular during like the indie blockbuster era mm-hmm. of like the 2010s you know or yeah. like the early yeah. aughts <laughs> they had one hit yeah. that yeah, everyone yeah. will recognize everyone will recognize yeah um the the knife is from oh, yeah. Stockholm, Sweden. Oh shit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, or which is like I I want to say like Fever Ray. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. I don't know if yeah. Um. So before we move away from Stockholm, I have a feeling that this is going to be related to the next question I ask you. Um. You said or at least it seemed like this, that you were saying that you started experimenting with sound yourself while you were still in Stockholm. Um, mm-hmm. Is that is that when you kind of made the transition into working with sound art? Or was that um, in like a, a different uh, noise band? I mean, were those two worlds totally separate for you? Or 
is that when you were experimenting with sound art as well? Um, I want to say yes, because I've, I've always been like interested in sound. Um, I've always had like a, a, uh, a cassette tape recorder where I, um, like, uh, record like tr birds chirping in the in the tree or whatever just like field recording things mm -hmm. and I would try to uh, intertwine that with music um, but I feel like just within the last year I've actually been more into the sound as art rather than integrating it with music okay. um, i've the the pandemic i just really kind of lost my way with art mm. with in, in in a sense like i tried painting and nothing like felt really compelling or but like with sound um it became like kind of therapeutic for me um and so i just started messing around like playing a guitar like as not a guitar um and so i started just using sound as a different medium whereas before I didn't really like consider it as such mm -hmm. per se um, and I learned how to build a contact mic and just started messing around with things to amplify um, sound and yeah and then i i got invited to do this performance um and i wanted to use the contact mic as as my uh, my muse mm -hmm. and um just started amplifying things like uh, i got a slinky um and just it created this sound I did not expect it to and so I was thinking of all these different metal aluminum objects that I could amplify um, and so I uh, was looking around and I was in a thrift store one day and I came upon a aluminum ladder which was small enough to, to fit in my car. So I was like, I'll just buy that and tinker around with it. Mm -hmm. And I hooked it up to my contact mic and just every little ding or, I, I had it on a, a tile floor and like my footsteps were amplified through the ladder wow. and I, it just became like this this wondrous thing to me and so i i'm uh, 
currently um, building this musical instrument with this ladder, just like attaching springs. And um, I recently attached tuning pegs to it. So I have a, a double bass string, a cello string, and a guitar string um, attached to it. Yeah, on the ladder. Oh. And so the ladders are like so the frets between. Is that how you're like, uh, you're um, like attaching the screen between the steps and like you tighten it with a tuning peg? Is that? Um, well, with springs, I am doing that, but with the actual uh, um, sh string, I've attached it to the the legs, so it's running up and down the legs, and. Mm -hmm. You can't, there's no like fretboard to it. So it's kind of hard to find the note, but it's, it's there. It's mainly, um, being used as like a kind of percussion instrument. Mm. So, but the, but I, I have been like bowing the strings and just like using that as like a drone and it's kind of hard to press it down on the on the string to make a note. Um, so I'm still figuring out the, the kinks of it, but, but it, it's, um, it's uh, like a, a, a it's the evolution is still ongoing. So it sounds like you invented your own instrument. That's defying <laughs> the boundaries between a uh, percussion and a string instrument yeah it's it's pretty strange yeah it's pretty weird i i mean i'm i mean that's what the arts are I'm, for in my opinion is to yeah right <laughs> discover right. the uncharted yeah yeah i'm i'm uh i guess i'm being influenced by harry parch do you guys know harry parch i don't he's think a, i do he's an american uh composer but also uh he built a lot of his own musical instruments mm -hmm. um like uh one's called the cloud chamber bowls where it's like this contraption with these radiation glass bowls um hung from it and so when you hit it it just makes a ringing it's a percussion instrument also but it's like a ringing ringing bowls and yeah, it's, so I want to say he's an influence to like coming up with musical instruments and mm -hmm. yeah. No, I just looked him up and I, all the photos are of him with like, yeah, all these, what I presume are his made up instruments, like all these huge objects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I think he like, uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he's like said something about a composer who found his way to carpentry or something. So mm. musical carpentry or something like that. So, um, well, what something that I wanted to ask you um, it has to do with illustration, but maybe it applies to other mediums that you've worked with before, including sound. Um, I noticed that like throughout all the years that you've been drawing and painting, you 
haven't gravitated towards digital illustration tools like so many other contemporary illustrators have. Um, I, I'm, am I wrong? Like, do you still, do you use a tablet or anything like that? Um, not really. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that comes yeah. through in your work. There's like a certain warmth uh, to it that I think when you're more of like a graphic designer illustrator you that like the hand is missing a little bit when you work yeah. with the tablet um so was this an intentional decision or um i i believe it became intentional um uh i was doing animation digitally right um but my my computer got ran over by a car wait what um, yeah and i my... have a piece by you at home um and it's a young man on a computer in the middle of the highway oh, uh, oh. and i wonder that's, if this was informed right. by this traumatic incident yeah. <laughs> um in a way yeah in a way because um yeah i think just like people are so um not there when they're on their on their phones in society that like they could get run over by a car um but this i was yeah this was just a, a fluke i was i was riding my bike with my computer in my bike basket mm. and my there was a car I, I was being stupid and riding on the sidewalk and then um, I didn't see this car backing up as I was trying to get onto the street and it backed into me and my computer flew out of the basket and everything became slow motion and the car backed over the bag with my computer in it and it was too late to say anything so and I opened my bag and it was completely smashed. But that was, I want to say like 2015 or something like that. And I was poor and couldn't afford a new computer. And just since then, I haven't really had the desire to like uh, draw on the computer. Mm -hmm. um yeah like as you said it 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 doesn't feel as warm as like a, a hand hand-drawn handmade like drawing or object and yeah and and it when i see like digital drawings um they all kind of look the same like i don't i don't want to or maybe just like some kind of trend or something it's probably but a bit of just, both yeah 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 um, i mean i think that's the thing that gets a bit lost when you start using certain tools is like it kind of reiterates the same patterns like the same shapes are repeated the same forms you know because they're pre-programmed into the software and the same like line work you know there's only a certain amount of presets that's that interesting. Work with. I mean, it also the, right. the the range of color yeah. that is represented is is all pixelized, so it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like even up. how yeah, even how something's colored, it 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 just doesn't have that like human touch to it or mm-hmm. texture. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it it's it's intentional now because I when I look at digital things, it 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 kind of puts me off and. I'd, I'd rather have, look at something that's like sloppy too. I yeah, love like, yeah. I love like kid art and like outsider art. And they don't really have access to, or I mean, maybe like they do now, but, but, but that just mean. like sloppy, like outside of the lines look is, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I'd rather look at that than. Yeah. Something being something precise is overrated, <laughs> yeah. but but yeah. it like it suits different purposes. If it's you know like there's there's a drawing for enjoyment, and then there's a drawing to be part of like an advert or an editorial, and those right. things are meant to be reproduced. And so, you know, there's there's a reason people work digitally, and it just has to do with other factors. Right, right. Um, that also reminds me of the exhibition you had at National, like, I want to say 2015, where you drew with bleach on uh, oh. clothing. That was such a great show. How did you get the idea yeah. for that? Thank, thank you. Um, uh, a, a friend put me on to uh, bleaching t-shirts, just like making marks on t-shirts with bleach and I, I just I I love that and I started making my own bleach t-shirts um and then May at Nationale um, asked me if I wanted to have a pop-up with my bleach shirts and I don't know how it came about but we got this black f- fabric um that was like maybe 15 feet by eight feet or something and uh i she asked me if i wanted to bleach bleach the fabric to hang up along with the t-shirts and i was i jumped at the chance because yeah yeah i i wanted a bit i wanted to create something more than the shirts so the this the opportunity to bleach this black fabric was uh yeah i've never seen you work at a scale like that before it was really cool it was like uh, i want like they had to have been what you said like 15 feet in height yeah 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 something like that i I can't remember but yeah it was it was fun to work big Mm -hmm. and and with the bleach um yeah 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 that that came about with like my involvement with like clo- clothing yeah so. yeah I want to say that you I know that you had some t-shirts for sale as part of that show but you had done something like that before as well right where you were drawing and illustrating on like wear like wearable artworks um yes but I think that not as much as as that time um 
I think through that show, it made me more involved with like clothing. Um, like uh, after that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to make my own like clothing line and stuff like that. But I, which I kind of got into for a little while, but just so, um, com- I don't want to say competitive, but it's, there are it's, a lot of people airbrushing on t-shirts right now. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of like put me off too. I like still do a little bit of clothing here and there, but it's, it's mainly, I want to do more ephemeral things now, mm-hmm. which I, I don't know. Maybe it's my, um, old age or something, but it's, yeah, I mean, I find that I'm more attracted to decay rather than, mm. um, something Well, it sounds like forever. maybe the experience is more important for you than the lasting legacy or like preserving something that you make it's more about getting to experience it maybe i i think i think so yeah we saw a movie recently showing up that's filmed in portland have you i I, I saw that i saw that recently yeah what did you think i i was like this is a film about every like i know these people this is pretty surreal yeah yeah it was pretty surreal to see it because i was like oh i I know that place and mm-hmm. or that I know that spot. Um but I thought it was pretty endearing. Oh yeah. Um, and it it featured uh an artist who I who is a, an old Portland head that I kind of forgot about and so it was really nice to see her ceramic work spotlighted in that movie which Mm. her her name is cynthia lottie um so it was it was surreal in that the sense that it kind of brought back those old portland memories um yeah yeah i i really enjoyed like seeing the evolution of what what her work is like now it's nice that she finally got a some spot like a spotlight on her work right 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 yeah even though it's like kind of long overdue um, yeah long overdue and like kind of weird through like the lens of celebrity so Mm, yeah yeah i wonder maybe you'll have a chance to ask her but i wonder what it's like to have an actor play you in a movie that you know like it's not like the character was based on her but it still must be interesting to have somebody represent your work as an artist right yeah right i can't think of too many examples of that in film where yeah yeah no yeah because there was in in one scene in the movie there was um i don't know if it was the actual like actor or if it was cynthia lottie but they were sculpting mm-hmm. and i wondered that so too I, yeah i was like yeah, is I this was, a stand-in is this uh right 
Yeah. Or does Michelle Williams know how to put clay very delicately on the arm yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just, just realized that we could ask you what the what the Portland art scene was like before the internet, really. I mean, maybe the internet, um, but before social media, for sure, you would have been a practicing yeah. artist. Right. Well, there, I feel like it was, not, well, having moving back pretty recently, I don't know like, the full extent of how it's changed, but like in the early, in the 2000s, the knots, mm -hmm. it was, um, it was very DIY. Like, I don't, that's a word that pops up a lot, but it, yeah, it was very um, kind of renegade. I remember a lot of just like galleries popping up in like, I remember there was like a, a collective that had like a, a rotating, um, exhibitions but they were all in different places like one time it was in a church and another time it was in a basement mm. so it was very um like wild to know that that happened because it doesn't seem like that happens anymore mm. so. well something that i remember just from as recently as 2011 and 12 was how i i felt like um, the art scene in Portland and the art community there was much more youth-led then than it is now. Um, like, like I remember going to like Reese's Gallery and it would be some kind of like house, sh you know, show organized and there would be some like works uh, on the wall as well from the studio mates that shared the building and it was just kind of like an atmosphere that you went into and it felt quite youthful and now I think that when like I see really great shows when I go to Portland like I love Adams and Ullman and National but those are very professional spaces in comparison um, and right. there's like there's like a certain spontaneity and like a feeling that anything could happen in other kinds of spaces that are not as professional um, and I miss right. I miss that a little bit and I wonder um, you know, like it was very easy to enter those spaces when you're younger and feel like you belong. And I don't know that I would have the same level of comfort. Like if I was 20, 19 years old today, entering a space that's like a, you know, a commercial gallery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, the, I, I hope the youth keep like having that spontaneity, but yeah, it doesn't, it seems like that's kind of being taken away from them because of like increasing rents and mm, yeah my guess uh, would have been affordability i think that's the big yeah. difference is in 2010 you could have rented like the brass works building in southeast portland and done something weird with it if you were right. in your like 25 but i think today it's probably very unaffordable yeah yeah because yeah there's a lot of like house shows as you said and and shows even out of like garages or basements 
and I guess youth can't really afford garages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Houses like, with basements. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. People are living in those basements yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No time yeah, exactly. for a show. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Can't do a show where I sleep. <laughs> yeah, right. Or yeah, or that could be or the show can. maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say that's actually a pretty cute like slumber party. Yeah. Call it my place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you still skateboard, Jeffrey? I I do. Yeah. I don't skateboard as much as I used to, but yeah, I'm. I, I hope to like roll around until I, I can't anymore. Yeah. So, but it's just like, I don't want to hurt myself anymore. That's the thing when you get older, you're like. You used to be able to like fall down and just bounce back up, and now if you yeah. fall, you're just like, that's it for the day. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Or that's like that's it for the week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it's just all like slappy curbs or yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, low, yeah, low impact for sure. And which which really leads to like very creative skating too. Mm-hmm. I was actually listening yeah. to and interview with uh jerry sue and he was talking about like how his like skating as he's gotten older has had to change so much because he can't do all the obviously like this it's on a different level when you're pro he's like i can't do all like huge staircases and stuff that he used to but it's like made him be more creative in what he does i think that was cool yeah Yeah, I, i saw him at the um i was starstruck by him could i didn't i wanted to like talk to him but i was like i don't know what to say so yeah, yeah. i saw him once too uh i hope he never listens to this <laughs> uh, but he was like just sitting and he had like a stick in his hand and he was just like hitting i think he was like waiting for a friend or something but he was just like hitting a tree with a stick and i was like what? <laughs> celebrities are just like us they are yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. he was just bored yeah, <laughs> yeah totally um there's a burning question on my mind that I want to ask you before I forget. Um, and that is, and this is a complete, <laughs> we're going in a very different direction now. Um, there's a lot of bugs in your work and I wonder what your relationship uh, is to bugs and why they are special to you. Are they special to you? Definitely, definitely special. Um, they're really fascinating. Um, like the way they look, the way they sound, um, what they do, what they can provide for the world and humans. Like we get silk from a silk worm mm-hmm. and um, yeah. And they're all part of this delicate ecosystem we're intertwined y- with. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say it's like I I I want to spotlight the underdog. Mm. I'm always like I'm always rooting for the underdog, and so when I like uh, incorporate it into my artwork, I feel like I'm, mm. that's what I'm doing is spotlighting this overlooked, fascinating creature. I mean, even though I don't draw it very well or or 
like it looks like it how it's supposed to in real life that it's like it's the thought that counts yeah i think i think that's that's true to say (laughs) glad that you have noticed that because it's yeah i haven't seen a body of work that doesn't have a bug in it everything (laughs) i looked at every almost like (laughs) almost every illustration Maybe yeah. not. That's an exaggeration. There are definitely illustrations <laughs> without bugs, but like, like every body of work, like if you look at a perhaps like a zine, there's gonna be a bug in there. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd bet yeah, on that's... marbles. There's gonna be a bug in there. Yeah, I don't. It's. I don't think I've drawn or painted a bug in a while, but I've uh, recorded bugs. So mm-hmm. yeah, even in sound, they're they're there for me. No. No. Well, my last question is always, is there anything coming up that you want to share um, or just anything going on in your life that you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have any shows or anything coming up, but um, I'm, I'm glad to be back in Portland where there is a noise scene that I think still exists, I hope. So I want to do some sound things here, um, but also just to say, um, get out of your comfort zone yeah. um, and uh, experiment with with things in this world because it's creativity and experimenting is there's so much you can do with it so yeah uh, it's the force of life yeah. i think it's creativity yeah yeah and and to be like uh compassionate i feel like there's compassion is kind of missing in the world right now so mm-hmm. i'm all for it i think the more uh, empathy the more compassion kindness the better yeah. yeah, just like maybe stop and listen to the people around yeah. you, to the bugs around yeah. you, to the yeah, sounds to the around bug. you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be in such a rush. Oh, come on, kids, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> stop posting your uncle yeah. on TikTok. <laughs> All right. I think that's Look a great note to leave off on. You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jeffrey. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Veronica and, and Scott. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much.
나는 파리의 택시 운전사다. 어쩌구저쩌구. 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 파리의 택시 운전사. 나는 파리의 택시 
come round They'll stamp it into the ground So how can I say I, I wanna go somewhere too far away Bye.
Times have I wondered to myself when 
take my time, I try to make my head go clear But you're taunting me and you're pushing me And you're getting much too near With the doors are closed and my exit fly to my hands are almost tied Flower. Confusion. Creation. Pickle? <laughs> K is for... Kitten. Cam? See, wait. U. Unbearable. U is for underground. Oh, yeah. Umbrella. T. Trite. Tremendous. Torment. Tire. C. K. I can't think of a U one. T. T. <clears throat> F is for famous. Fun. Fumble. <laughs> M is for... Montreal.
peace and serenity. <laughs> <laughs>